filling in this unknown future with beauty because like what else can we do as artists that's our underlying mission i think is to leave beautiful things in the world hello and welcome to ai arts in the podcast produced by creative pinellas i'm barbara st Clair, your host and i am here with nathan beard so you are an artist, primarily a painter? I have two main bodies of work. I have an abstract body of work called Exit Music and another body of work that's completely different. It's representational. It's plants and shadows on water. To me, both of these series serve maybe different aspects of myself or my brain. So that over the course of time, they grew up together and I've always kind of kept them separate. But the Exit Music series, in short, is about how we act in the world and we take action in the world. So it's about being conscious of yourself and your actions and knowing, or at least being aware of others around you and so on and so forth. And then the Pond's Edge series is more, for me, it's about sitting and observing or the act of sitting and observing and being quiet. And and then just technically for me, the Pond's Edge series is a way to practice my drawing skills so that when I go back into the abstract work, I think an important component of good abstract painting is drawing. And by drawing, I don't mean the ability to render. What I mean is the ability to compose relationships between compositional elements in a work, whether it's abstract or representation. So exit music for me is very, there's a lot of movement in it. It's a lot of lines and the lines can be curved and a lot of use of color and and shifting. Very high visual impact and Pond's Edge is much softer and contemplative. And so that makes so much sense to me. But it almost feels that if if I wasn't familiar with your work and I was just going by the name or whatever, I would presume that Pond's Edge, because it's meditative, would be more abstract. And Exit Music, because it's about action, would be more sort of straightforward and realistic. So those really play with expectations. Hmm. Hmm. I never thought about it like that. It's always the thing I've done for myself rather than... Right. seeing it from the other side. Okay. So, you know, so you've got an abstract thing that's about doing things in the world, and you've got a more realistic thing that's about meditating, and I just think that's really interesting. It, it may be a product of, of where Exit Music came from, how, how it originated, was I had stopped making artwork altogether before we moved to Florida. I actually moved down here uh, with my wife. We had both planned on going basically straight to USF to resume studies, graduate studies. And I was transitioning out of art and into environmental science. Mm-hmm. My wife has pursued what she came down here for. We got a little sidetracked with it, with our child. <laughs> when we moved down here, we decided that now was the time to have a child versus later, because my wife is pursuing studies towards medical school. She's been a fifth grade teacher for the past nine years. So at the time, it made sense for me to stay home with our daughter. And in staying home, it made me think about a lot of things, you know, like, can I be a scientist? Probably. Do I want to? I don't know. If I can be outside walking around and, you know, collecting samples and stuff, then yeah, that sounds fun. But I don't think I could sit in a cubicle, you know, for some large environmental firm punching numbers or something like that. I just couldn't even imagine what that would... And then I think just, there's just this thing inside of me that said, you know, that I need to go back to art. And so that now I had this kind of found time because infants sleep for like eight hours a day. <laughs> so I was able to get back into it, and I started working on a series that I, that I came out of college with and made some really interesting kind of collages and prints 
I did some printmaking based on the collages. And one of those collages, what I did is I, I would take an image and I would Xerox it at different scales. It was very fractal. And uh, recompose the image in an abstract way. And one of the images was of an ocelot. And so an ocelot is, is um, highly endangered in the U.S. Mm-hmm. In Mexico, it's flourishing. But I guess at the time, I thought that there's a lot of species like this and that, you know, there should be some kind of music made for animals that were disappearing. And that's why I named it Eggs Music. Oh, wow. And so those collages are beautiful in themselves, but to me, they were always like sketches. And I would then take the collage and find the very best composition I could within the collage and then try to make large scale paintings, you know, five, six foot paintings. But it got to be that I had less and less time to experiment because Vera was growing quickly and her naps were getting shorter. And I just, I just couldn't, I thought at the time, you know, I just can't, I don't have time for this because it was very meticulous. It was very um, labor intensive kind of work. But through that process, I was looking for, you know, new techniques. And I found a technique with rubbing alcohol where you can spray rubbing alcohol on acrylic painting because you use water with acrylic to thin it down. And when you spray alcohol on it, it, it creates these kind of circles. It, mm-hmm. it pushes all the water, it resists the water, it pushes all the water and it leaves the pigment in these kind of really interesting honeycomb kind of shapes. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of very archaeological and very cool. And then, it, you know, the reason I use it is because it, it kind of was a way to make all the ocelot spots oh. from the collage because there was lots of spots, you know. So, oh, this is cool. And I don't have to draw them all. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so that came about that. And then I really liked that technique. So I just started making little paintings with just that technique. And I had also decided, okay, I've got to ditch this series and I've just got to go in the studio and paint. And, and just see what happens, like see what happens if I don't have any agenda. And, you know, it was very difficult to get rid of that series because I've taken a lot of time to develop it. And, you know, it dealt with a lot of the things I'm interested in in the, in the world outside of art. And so I was making one of those paintings and I didn't like what was happening. So I took a, a cloth and I wiped it away. And the way that I wiped it was side to side, like you wipe mm-hmm. your kitchen counter. So when you see that shape in, in the Exit Music paintings, this kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, that that's, S, sort of essay looking kind of. Yeah, right? that's, where, that's where it originated was in me cleaning this thing off. And it's, it's the movement of my body. Ah. You know, it is the actual record of me moving through space. Got it. And then I don't really get into the catharsis part of it, but it's not really about cleaning or catharsis or anything like that. So it was just the motion sure. of that. And when when I did that, it revealed a bunch of layers underneath. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. You know, so it was this kind of, I think every artist has those moments where, you know, oh, I didn't mean to do that, but it was really cool. So I went with it. A door opened. And, you know, this is a big theme in my career in general is a door opens and, you know, let's go through it because, mm-hmm. you know, why not? And good things usually happen with a certain amount of willingness. So then I, f- I filled that shape in and I didn't like, you know, it was still missing something. And so I, I opened my, my toolbox from <laughs> my mental toolbox and there was an exercise we did in college using tape as a resist. And I never went much further with that technique after college, but then I, I decided to try it. And so I started making the lines mm-hmm. with the tape and I put another layer over it and I removed the tape and I was like, wow, that's really cool. I like how 
when the lines get really close together and small, they start to almost dimensionalize the form. But when they get bigger and far apart, they act as like window blinds. And so then it becomes a, this kind of duality between foreground and background, you know, so I made, I made about 10 paintings in that kind of similar fashion. I showed them at American stage with Michelle Teagle was the the curator there and kind of kept going with that and then had a show at HCC Gallery 3. Kathy Gibson and Patty Shriram, I worked with with them. But then at some point, I started thinking a little bit more deeply about what I was doing. And I just, I, I really was looking into myself and saying, you know what, I'm not really, although I'm human and I do, I do have a dualistic tendency you know, good and bad, because it's, 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 it's an easy way to organize the world. Good and bad, cool and warm, you know, but it's not because it can be warm and all shades between. So I really got to thinking about that and like what I wanted to, where I wanted to take the work. Because I, before I showed with, with American Stage, I was ready to abandon that series. And that, we're still talking about Exit Music. Exit Music. Yeah, I thought that I had gone as far as I could go. And it's like, you know, how many of these can I make? You know, straight lines across and, okay, wow, you know, I mean, what else is there? Right, right. But Michelle encouraged me to keep making them, so I did. And then I got to a point where it was, you know, started thinking that I'm not really into dualism, like, spiritually or conceptually. I really want to think more holistically. I want to think more integratively. And so when the Shine first Shine Mural Festival came up, that was one of the things that kind of forced me into, into thinking. And also around the same time was my first show at Articles, where I had to start really pushing where I was at that point. That, like These are really big deals for me, and I, I, I really want to push the work further, not only for these two exhibitions, but for myself. You know, And what I wanted to do was, was uh, create more space, but also integrate the space with the form. And so then, you know, it became a, a, a simple matter of instead of making straight lines, mm-hmm. um, we'll have to do it in layers. And so we have these kind of loops that I make. Right. There's a definite spatial element to them. It's not very deep. It's kind of shallow. And so then it was just a matter of overlaying tape so that one was in front of the other. And then all of a sudden we got this kind of space and that the, the technique was starting to bridge form. And that was the first step was just doing that you know very simple kind of I it takes a lot more work yeah because I have to cut back into the first layer of tape and I have to you know do washes and different layers and then I have to reapply the tape and a lot of the times I don't know where I am because I've covered everything with paint Uh so I don't know what it's going to look like I don't know what I'm getting into I just have to trust that I've done this enough times and that it'll work out you know it's just progressed from there and then after I got a hold of the technique then it became, I think, a little bit more about now let's move this into some like ideas. Like how can I use this visual expression and this technical expression to actually dig deeper and deeper and deeper into the questions I have about the universe. But you said a few minutes ago that you had stopped making art. Did you go to school for art? Yep. So I have a a bachelor's of fine art in painting from Colorado State University. Mm -hmm. After graduation, I think like many graduates, you lose your studio, you lose your structure, you lose everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're you're tossed to the wolves, as it were. And I think think our professors did a, a pretty good job of trying to prepare us, but I don't think anything can really prepare you for, you know, the real, the real deal. And 
you know, also considering the fact that I lived in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is, you know, it's a wonderful community and a great college, but, you know, we don't go there to see art. Yeah. Or, I mean, not on a large scale, right? So, you know, and then, and then, you know, it became very real, like, okay, now I have to make money. So I started moving furniture and I, and I got a little bit sidetracked and, you know, moving furniture is a very difficult job and like just totally exhausted all the time. And, and I got sidetracked for probably about five years mm-hmm. and I was still kind of making work and trying, but I wasn't really, you know, focused and I didn't really know what to do, but I ended up in Denver living in an art gallery and I was the installation intern, the, mm-hmm. le- the lead installer. And it was this up and coming gallery that really focused or ended up focusing on street art and the street art movement. And they were one of the first kind of galleries in Denver that, that was doing that. And, you know, we had huge parties and I lived in the basement. And then my, my wife, who was, you know, she was my girlfriend at the time, she moved in the basement, but she was working graveyards and it was very difficult for her to sleep. So we eventually moved out. And I was lucky to find a job with Hilary DiPolo, who is an art consultant in Denver. And I thought that art consulting would be a great way to, you know, obviously to, you know, make money, but also to maybe educate about art, you know, the people that are buying the work. Maybe they want to know who the artist is and what the work is about and all of that. And so that was a really good experience. I did that for five years. Mm-hmm. And I also did all the installation. So, I mean... <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures and sculptures. Many people I talk to, they're driven and they they may or may not find their visual language and find their success and Mm -hmm. you were kind of stepping away from it and you had some time and you picked up your paintbrush again and then suddenly some doors opened as you described it. Yeah, well I think that's probably an extremely important element is the doors that were open were not opened by me. <laughs> Kate has been absolutely instrumental. My parents, both sets of parents have been instrumental. This community has been hugely instrumental. I mean, just the support that they give artists has been has been fantastic. I mean, from day one. And then my, our child has been instrumental, you know, in, in just forcing us to, to, to act, mm-hmm. you know, forcing us to do things. Like, I think people who have children know what I'm talking about. It's just, they make you question yourself and, and, you know, you don't have time to think about it a lot. When she was a baby, I knew I had, you know, two hours at a time, go out in the studio and paint. Like, just just put stuff down. And if you don't like it, just cycle through and keep keep working until you find something, you know. So she had a huge influence on that. I think I've been dealing with the same kind of questions for for a long time. You know, definitely in college, I was interested in the same kind of stuff, how the universe is actually structured versus how we see it mm-hmm. or how how we perceive it or experience it. Or, you know, do we even know it, how it is actually structured? Probably not. And how big is it? You know, it's so huge. It's so small. You know, I'm not obviously the first person to think about any of this stuff. <laughs> and I'm probably not its best uh, spokesperson either. But, like, I've, I've really started focusing on trying to imagine the infinite inwardly versus outwardly because outwardly it seems like well things yeah things could go on forever right like that's easy in in a way even though we can't see it it's like sure but inwardly is is more difficult because like well things can only get so small right i mean before there's nothing or they're immaterial and they can't be considered things anymore or do you know what i mean but then you, that's when you start getting into time and space 
being folded and curved and broken and cracked and not whole. And then the rules of structure fall apart. And so when, when something is folded, it has seven different planes versus, you know, our three planes. It's folded into itself, and, and so that's how it can have a multiplicity of experience. So what really interested me about fractals was like, you know, when you look at the world, when you look at the big things, the macro, and you look at the micro, you see, you see, if you're really looking, you see a lot of patterns, right? Like the most obvious is like how our blood vessels are so similar to trees, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and then when you start looking at pictures of, of space, like, you know, the cosmic web looks like trees in, in a way, you know? And then you say, wow, that's really cool. You know, like that's what, that's how I started. Cause that's what I was looking for. It's like, it was just really magical to me. And these, these patterns of connection, they meant something. Or I thought so mm-hmm. at the time. You know, there must be meaning to this. <laughs> so does that sort of underscore the collaboration, the interest with the science who's researching proteins? Is that tied to the Exit Music yep. project? It's directly related to the third body of work that I have that I developed for the Emerging Artists Grant is Kintsugi. So my Kintsugi series is a merging of Pond's Edge and Exit Music. So I got to the point where I really started to understand that what I was dealing with with exit music was space-time, the structure of space-time, not so much about how it's made or who makes it, but just it. And then with with the pond's edge, what I was always sort of interested in with that as a painter was how the shadows always looked like kanji, like Chinese characters or Japanese characters and, and just the, the idea of things being written on water, you know, was really interesting to me from a poetic standpoint. The idea that something on water never stays where it's supposed to. <laughs> it floats away, you know, just like our thoughts and our, you know, our, our knowledge, you know, gets lost. And especially our personal knowledge, you know, like it's interesting how our memories, they get deformed or we, we lose parts of them and then we can pick them up again. And, and that's part of what the Kintsugi series is about. So if we take the idea of these shadows looking like kanji and then space-time being not linear, it, it being broken and fractured. And then so Kintsugi is a Japanese tradition of fixing ceramics with lacquer that is then dusted with gold. And so that all of the cracks of where it was broken are, are golden and the object becomes in many ways more beautiful than it was before because now everyone knows that it was broken and that we cared for it and we brought it back. So the idea was to overlay the shadows of the plants on the exit music, which was space-time, and then fill those silhouettes with gold. Mm -hmm. And so that our knowledge of ourselves and of the world becomes a kintsugi that fills in all of the cracks in Mm. space-time. Oh, wow. So like our stories, personal and cultural stories and, and human stories are, are like, they're kind of patchworks about the things that we don't know or we have forgotten or the things that we w- would like to know or that we wish would come true. You know, our projections for the future and we, and we express all of this with words, you know. And so that was the idea with the Kintsugi series. And so eventually the idea with the exit music is that, you know, that we're writing this for, for these animals that are leaving us. And that we're, we're filling in this unknown future with, you know, beauty. Because, like, what else can we do? As artists, that's our sort of underlying mission, I think, is to leave, create beautiful things in the world.
much of the process of art and the beauty of art is that it's transformative. I, th- I think that some of the, the visuals that scientists make are interesting by themselves. You know, like if we could just blow them up and exhibit them, they would be interesting. And so what is it that a painter or a drawer or a sculptor or a poet or a musician can do that a scientist cannot? You know, and it's to take what we see or measure, you know, feel and transform it into something else, something more encompassing and something sort of abstract. You know, like like a, like our human endeavors, you know, like we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So mm-hmm. kind of, that's kind of the idea. You have begun to have people f- sort of more far and wide than just our local area who are interested in your work and what you're doing. Every year I set goals for myself. And, and one of my goals last year was to start exhibiting outside of Florida. I was thinking Atlanta, mm-hmm. <laughs> not Japan. <laughs> right, right. I did ask my wife for five to ten years to get on my feet, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not be super successful. I mean, just to get, okay, this is going to work. It's been five years, and so in another five years, I want to be in a place where I can really depend on my artwork for a living. My, my, I guess my ultimate goal is, is to become a professor. Of painting. Wow. And I think that all the things that I'm doing now will be very valuable things to be able to relay to my students. You know, there's a lot more to the art world than just studio work. You know, there's 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 a lot of hustle. There's a lot of manners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's gratitude and, and optimism and tr- keeping your head up when things are low. And there's hurricanes. And, you know, I mean, just all kinds of stuff that you have to deal with that art school just doesn't totally prepare you for it all. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for this conversation. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners. Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. And if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.